Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me in an empty yet sunny capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Katie Lindstead, Head of Business Development and Marketing of Paycheck Limited, a London-based financial service. Katie, hello. Hello there. Thank you for coming on the program today. Now, uh, normally we get straight into the concept of leadership, but prior uh, to arriving there, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, address the ongoing COVID-19 uh, situation. How has that changed the way that uh, you operate at Paycheck? Well, we were fortunate to have a very robust business continuity plan. Um, we we are offering payroll services to about 1,200 businesses across the UK, so we're paying 55,000 people a month. So for us, there is no um, there's no notion that we wouldn't be able to carry out our service because mm-hmm. people's livelihoods are relying on us doing that. So um, we we felt like maybe there was going to be some impact probably a few weeks before the actual lockdown started. Mm. Um, so we did some, I mean, we annually test our business continuity anyway, but we actually did a full-scale uh, kind of test a few weeks before, and then we decided to actually just move the entire business to home working about a week and a half before the full lockdown started. So we were we were very well embedded at home a, a while before everyone else was. <laughs> so we've actually all been in isolation a lot longer than most people. <laughs> well, it's uh, very uh, foresighted of yourselves to uh, get into mm. that position. Um, are there different challenges with uh, dealing with people um, in their own homes as opposed to in the office? I mean, for sure, the people that um, have families, you know, if they've got small children, um, they've had to flex their hours slightly, which means it's a pretty long day for some of them. Um, and, you know, the teams have had to kind of um, be uh, quite flexible around them. Uh, and that's fine. You know, we are a team, a large team that have worked together a, a while in most cases. Um, there are obviously challenges. We had just onboarded um, three new people just before uh, that happened. In fact, well, one one person we onboarded um, completely from home. So uh, obviously there's a, there's a change in how you would do an induction and how you would um, train people remotely. Mm. Um, so all of those kinds of things have, have changed a lot. Um and, and, you know, isolation is, is one thing we have to sort of try and keep on top of. Payroll people tend to be quite introverted, um, focused on numbers anyway. Um, and so they're, they're probably less likely to really notice that they need to reach out sometimes. So um, definitely for the leaders uh, within the business, they've had to kind of try and keep in contact with their teams as much as possible, make sure no one's, um, you know, make sure no one's feeling uh, too away from the team. Do you believe that this uh, situation is going to have a permanent impact on Paycheck? I mean, we have quite a large office um, that we have been filling quite nicely. I do wonder whether we might move to more of a hot desking situation and need that much of an office. Um, you know, we, we most of the senior team had been doing a couple of days at home a week anyway. We've mm. been moving towards the whole office being able to do that, and we just accelerated it very quickly through February. Um, and I think the intention was more that people would do one or two days a week to sort of help with flexibility of home life. Um, but I, I do wonder whether we might end up doing a bit more than that. I mean, certainly the sales teams weren't really working in the office very much anymore. Um, and I, I do think that this is going to have quite a profound impact on when how the business runs when we go 
back to whatever the new normal is. <laughs> well, we might as well move on to the subject of, uh, of leadership. I always like to start this portion of the conversation out by asking a very simple question that sometimes has a rather complex answer. What does the word leader mean to you? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, I think there's a difference between leading and managing. Um, I feel like being a leader is is more than perhaps coordinating work or um, uh, organising. It's it's really um, looking at how the business should be and then helping um, everyone within that business to get to that point. Um, you know, looking at what the trends for the industry should be, what um, are the best ways to look after everyone in the business. I, I feel like it, it's keeping an eye on what the aspiration for the business is and then facilitating that rather than um, necessarily uh, more kind of nuts and bolts of the business. Although that's important too, obviously. Mm. And how do you funnel those aspirations down uh, throughout the different levels of staffing? Um, We do have lots of different kind of um, groups for different discussions. So we have um, various uh, uh, different kind of departments um, who might focus on different parts of the business. But there's a lot of cross-departmental work and conversations and meetings, um, not just for different perspectives but also to make sure that um you know the kind of ideas are flowing down as well as flowing up um and i think that the way that we move the business forward we have quite a kind of robust um kind of process of forking through all the different angles i think i guess because we we work with um data as well we have to be uh, really really comfortable with a change and have to have gone through all of our GDPR kind of processes. But even where it's not something relating to data, um, it's it's still a relatively small business. You know, there's just 50 or just under 50 of us. So any kind of change can make a really, um, a really deep impact. So we have to be very certain that what we're doing is moving forward and, and not creating more work or, um, or, or and not leaving anyone behind. Do you believe uh, that uh, there's a significant uh, challenge to leading a small business as opposed to a large one? Are there unique challenges involved in that situation? Um, I don't know if they're necessarily unique. I mean, for me, so I started with the business about uh, well, almost 16 years ago. And when I started, I wasn't in a leadership role or I wasn't managing anyone. I was um, one of the payroll team members. Um, and as the business has grown, that's where new roles were created and I kind of inhabited various different roles, um, kind of team leaders, payroll team manager, business operations management, and then moved into the business development and marketing side. And they, they've, we've definitely had different challenges as we've grown. Um, but I think, I think the challenges don't necessarily change based on the size of the business. I think it's whether they're growing or static is where the changes tend to happen. Um, because when we've had kind of a static few years, I've definitely noticed the difference to when we've been in periods of growth. Now, bringing it back to a, a much more personal example, how would you describe your uh, leadership style? 
Um, I think I'm quite, I think I'm quite hands off in some ways. I expect people to be adults and to manage themselves in certain ways, and then to speak up if they, um, ne- you know, they they need some training or if they need um some help to facilitate getting getting their job done. Um, but I can also be very exacting <laughs> um, and um, controlling about certain things. For example, how um, you know the types of speech that we use. You know, we kind of talk in positive speech and how our branding is applied and um, how exacting we are in the work that we do. You know, our levels of accuracy, that kind of thing. So that I, I think I I have swings and roundabouts to um, uh, quite different styles. Um, but I think that marries up into, you know, that there are reasons for, for both ways. Um, so I, I think that um, people know what they're going to get with me um, and my team uh, certainly perform well. Um, uh, so I think, yeah, it's quite a very, like it's a varied style depending on what it is. Now, uh, leadership doesn't come out of a vacuum, of course. It comes from a, a, a source. Let's go back to the beginning of your career when you first started out, your working life. Were there any role models who shaped you as you are today? Um, yeah, for sure. The, I mean, the two women that started the business um, originally, they were very strong kind of directors, and they gave me a lot of opportunities um, as I was kind of progressing throughout the company. Um, our current CEO. I find very inspiring. He's teaching me a lot about kind of um, the financial aspects of the business that perhaps I didn't uh, necessarily get involved in before, the kind of, you know, managing cash flows and, and the budget side of it. Um, and I, I kind of took some time out. I went part-time um, probably midway through my career to actually to go and do some um, arts degrees, uh, kind of unrelated to financial services. So that... Um, being allowed to do that and still continue working part-time in the role gave me the kind of qualifications to move into kind of business development and marketing um which brought a, a different kind of influence to the business and um, whilst doing those courses I had some really inspiring uh, professors um and you know dissertation uh markers who really gave me a lot of um different ways of um different perspectives, different ways of viewing how uh, those things could be applied to uh, essentially a financial services business when I was doing um, work involved in the arts. Now, Katie, unfortunately, our time together has drawn to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Paycheck? Well, it, it is an exciting time still. Um, obviously, we with this pandemic, perhaps some of the plans that we had will not be as... Um, uh, as quick to flourish as we had hoped, but we are looking at um, some quite accelerated growth over the next couple of years, and I still believe that that can happen. Um, it might just be in in different ways than we originally imagined. Um, and also, we've been going through a huge uh, kind of technology evolution over the last um, kind of year, and we've got about six months left on that project, but hopefully we'll restart again in June, so that by the time we get to um, the end of this year, We'll be um, we'll be doing some really exciting things in in the payroll industry. Well, uh, Katie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program today, and I'd love to have you back on when things get back to normal. Uh, Katie, thank you. Thank you so much. That was Katie Lindstedt, head of business development and marketing of Paycheck Limited. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst, 
Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, <laughs> I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in Sir Ralph Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did again mm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looks upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved. 
and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And, um, uh, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. 
I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back out, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but... Overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year they've gone fairly well and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows in fact starting this week over the next uh, two or three months and uh, at the end of the theatre shows we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions and the, the, there's I won't mention both they're too long to talk about both questions um, one the other one's a really stupid one it's too long for me to tell you it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one, which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever. 
which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour, mm-hmm. and this occasion I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him, so I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic, and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> What a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. uh, Well, uh, and we... You've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it, it, uh, um, it did but make again, it laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps... Uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. Is have a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work 
for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, 
the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. You know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mindedness, uh, single mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not uh, there's, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and. Uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.